0: You know what, everybody? I think if Gary Vee was Canadian or had a Canadian version of him, Ryan and Rob Ballard might be it. Ryan is a rock star golf professional from Windsor, Ontario, Canada, which is right on the border of Detroit, which I think he mentions in the podcast. He is the distributor, I guess, technically would be for Canada for Super Speed Golf. He is the head professional ambassador of Golf and Country Club. He's also the assistant coach for the Windsor... University of Windsor Golf, I don't know what they're called actually, I just drew a blank there, um, he also teaches quite a, a few students down there, and we get into exactly what he does down there, it's a great podcast to listen to how he is, because he started a little bit later than most golf professionals do too, and it's a great lesson, he's a good story, so I'm not going to keep it too long, enjoy the podcast, and we'll catch you at the end. Alright, Ryan, uh, Ryan Robillard, welcome to the podcast, um, introduce yourself for my listeners here.
1: Thanks, Brad. Um, So, yeah, Ryan Roblard. Um, I am currently the head golf professional at the Ambassador Golf Club in Windsor, Ontario. Um, And I am also the uh, Canadian sales manager for Super Speed Golf. Uh, I guess my path into golf, I've been in the industry about uh, seven years. I've had stints at uh, Essex Golf and Country Club, uh, Kingsville Golf and Country Club. I spent a couple years working in Calgary um, at the Earl Grey Golf Club, which is kind of where I got – um, I started in the industry, I guess, kind of started kind of late, i um, 24 years old, was my first year in the industry, uh, and I'm currently 31.
0: Very cool, I, have no, I, I never knew you were at, in Calgary, so you, let's start with, where did you go to school?
1: Uh, so I went to, so out of high school, I went to St. Clair College and I took a mold making apprenticeship, mold okay. making being in the manufacturing industry, so pretty much from, I started working in the shop about grade 10, wore coveralls, steel toe boots uh did all that fun stuff, um, but then worked in it uh, through uh, the downfall of 2008. Uh, automotive industry obviously takes a, takes a tank, um, and I was working mm-hmm. in an industry that was mainly driven by the big three. Uh, so then kind of in my early-ish to mid-20s, kind of stuck at a crossroad, not sure what to do. Um, so literally made like a complete 180, um, left my mold-making apprenticeship, uh, and signed up for the golf management program at St. Clair College here in Windsor.
0: That's very interesting. That's a... It's a big jump, yeah. <laughs> so you went. To, you
1: went it, it is definitely.
0: So you went to St. Clair, and then you went to Calgary out of school. Was that how? It
1: yeah. Went? So, uh, so I, finished, I had finished my second year, um, of PGM and going into the summer, and I knew that I wanted to spend some time away from home. Uh, and I had an aunt at the time that lived out there, um. So I literally went like back end into the PGA of Alberta website and was just kind of read through the job listings, and I applied to to six seven positions just kind of aimlessly hoping to get anything um and then i ended up getting two calls and one of them was from Earl gray and upon doing some research i found out that Earl gray was one of the top private clubs in, in calgary and was super pumped to get an interview i uh, did two phone interviews and he offered me the position and i packed up my car and, and off i drove to calgary you know like I, I left here, like, the end of March. It was so warm down here. We had been golfing for a couple weeks. I didn't even pack a winter jacket. I get up there. There's snow on the ground. Like, the club <laughs> didn't open until April 20th. And I was, like, just, like, the most naive first year ever. Like, I didn't even know where I was living yet. It was just, like, I get out there. I'm, like, wow, what the hell is going on?
0: <laughs> oh, so I guess you explained everything. So you're in Windsor, which is how many hours north of Tor- or south of Toronto?
1: I'm about four hours south of Toronto. Uh, geographically, we're extremely close to Detroit. We're about uh, we are as south as you can get in Canada.
0: Yeah, um, you are.
1: So some can get pretty warm. Uh, normally, we golf into very late November. Most months we, or most years, we golf into December around here. Um, so it, it's pretty mild most of the year.
0: And you start when? would did you start down there? You start in March or is it April?
1: Uh, Give or take, uh, generally kind of April one plus or minus a week. Um, on the good. private side, maybe a little bit later. On the public and the semi uh, semi side, we get going a little bit earlier. This year for us, obviously, Good Friday falls on March 30th, uh, which is always kind of a, a, a huge golf day for us. It's kind of capturing the fever. So we're we'll definitely be under the gun uh, to get to be open by March 30th for sure.
0: That's so different. Like I think we're scheduled. Brampton last year was April 20th. And they're talking maybe first week of April, if they're really lucky, is the early, early call, but still a long way to
1: go. Yeah, I think uh, on average, we are probably uh, a good two to three weeks ahead of the GTA, uh, and sometimes as much as three, four weeks ahead from kind of the,
0: the Muskokas or north of Toronto and stuff like that. Interesting. Yeah, Muskoka is probably Muskoka's almost a month behind the GTA in some spot in the private club industry. Wow.
1: Yeah, well, I, I guess that's true. You get deep enough in the bush,
0: like. <laughs> yeah, if you, like, you guys talk about like May two four is their like opening shop weekend sh- is what they're shooting for. Oh. May two four to um, this that's is project cool. upside side. It's May two to Thanksgiving. Is it after Thanksgiving? <laughs> shut down.
1: Some, sometimes I wish. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah there's times. So you went to Calgary. So you stayed how long in Calgary? Yep. Two years.
1: Yeah, I was out there for two years. Um, had some, had some, a little bit of stuff going on at home, um, a little bit of health stuff within the family. Uh, how far away Calgary was from home. Uh, so then, after my second year there, came home, uh, and luckily enough, it ended up being uh, Kingsville Golf and Country Club was looking for an assistant professional. Uh, so ended up getting a job there, uh, and then that was kind of where I first really started to uh, develop my teaching, spending some time teaching, spent three years there. Uh, my last two years, um, aside from working in the shop, I did, uh, I did quite a bit of teaching. Um, and then from there I was, I knew, I knew that if I wanted to achieve my goal of becoming a head golf professional or possibly a head teaching professional that I need to make like a, a resume move. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after three years at King's Gold position came open at Essex, uh, Essex, um, uh, being definitely the premier private club down this way. I'm going to well-respected club in Ontario and throughout Canada for sure. I worked for a fantastic head professional, Alex McIntyre, uh, past president currently of the PGA of Ontario. He, 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 in one year, uh, definitely provided me a lot of really good insight on, on what a pro's pro look like. Um, and when I got the job there, I'm like, Hey, good. I'm going to settle down here. You know, there's only maybe a couple of jobs I want in the area. Like 10 months later, the head pro position comes available at ambassador uh, and I said I'd be crazy not to apply. Um, and after making it through uh, the interview process, I was off the job, which 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 has been fantastic ever since.
0: So you were only at Essex for one year.
1: I didn't know. Yeah, that. I was just there for one
0: year. <laughs> so I didn't know yeah. that. So like, can we talk about your time at Essex? I mean, I just remember seeing on I think Facebook or Instagram, you had some pretty cool stuff going on there for that. I guess short but sweet period of time.
1: Yeah, I guess, uh, uh, and I'm definitely gonna honk the horn. Um, of Luke McCaw, who I worked alongside with. Um, it, it, it was he was the best I had ever worked alongside in terms of um, j- just an absolute class A guy. He is so into junior teaching that he runs a freaking rock star of a program there, and we had a good junior following. And it was mm-hmm. just like the perfect combination that we had both kind of got involved with like a little bit of Operation 36. We both knew the U.S. kids stuff. We had – our league so we just we ended up having an awesome summer we launched a girls club program that had like fifteen girls sign up in the first session which is our insane. league had sixty five players like that place can run programming from like April one till October one outdoors. It's it's absolutely awesome if you want to do anything junior golf there for sure. And and I guess on the golf course side it just happened to be the year that happened to be the year that they had just redone their greens the year prior so the, the place they might have the best greens in Canada right now because they just got down, like, a sweet Renault. Um, it is so damn good there. Like, Ambassador now, it's still, it's, like, literally three kilometers away from Essex. so some days I drive by and just look in the gate like, oh, man, I'd love to be in there right now.
0: Yeah, I can, I can imagine. I remember seeing you guys, like, for those who don't know, Windsor's kind of, it's a long way away from the GTA. It's kind of, you guys were the only game in town, really, that I could think of, and you guys were crushing it. Like, there was, like, as we saw your programs put online, it was, it was Doug Laurie-esque what you guys did in the middle, basically the middle of nowhere for kind of Canada.
1: Yeah, for sure. It was
0: for impressive. Sure. So you went to... Yeah, um,
1: uh, yeah definitely a combination of a perfect storm, just a, a, a membership that has gotten quite a bit younger in the last couple of years, so there's just so many kids Yeah. in that 7 to, seven to 14 range right now.
0: That's so good. I, yeah, you guys did a rock star job. I got to be both credit. I didn't know how much Luke was involved. I kind of saw him a little bit, but I don't know him as well, so.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I wish Luke was more outgoing on social because he, uh, he's He's damn good. He's extremely smart. He loves it. He absolutely loves it. So he's really good.
0: he's so quiet on social media. I mean, I hear, see what you post about the wonder kid, but that's about it. The only time she is (laughs) hitting you posting about him or the super speed challenge. The, uh,
1: yeah, for sure. Yeah. You got him involved in that a little bit, which has been nice. I, Rick, he's kicking my ass right now. I am in big trouble. i got to find some late-season speed
0: here, or else he's going to beat me pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Doug Laurie and I started that last week, and I don't think any of us did it past week one.
1: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, we threw a case of beer online, and um, and we've been having some fun going back and forth. Like Luke and I both baselined at about 106, 107. Yeah, He sent me a couple pictures uh, after his training session last week, Post-super speed training, he's been, like, in the 118s,
0: 119s. That's impressive. So, That's like, fast. He like, I'm in trouble here. Like, I'm considering
1: some juice or I need something real late here to kind of sneak in some extra speed or else I'm going to be down a case of triple bogey.
0: You need uh, Ali Gilbert to give me a call and be like, here, let me shoot you full <laughs> testosterone for a week.
1: Yeah, that'd be perfect. Whenever, whenever her and Charlie are mixing up, send some of that over there. That'd be good. <laughs>
0: So you got to share the story. How did you get involved with Superspeed? Because obviously, they're amazing, but you're like the first guy that, or yep. you're the, you're the yep. basically the guy for Canada, and which
1: yeah, um, it's pretty cool. I, I guess a pretty interesting story. Like, kind of, I I had always been, or I, I've been just on a massive professional development kick ever since I got into the industry, um, and I definitely got drawn into TPI big time. Uh, so I took TPI level one. Uh, I believe that would have been in 2016 in Orlando, mm-hmm. uh, met super speed at the show and was interested in their product and then ordered a set for myself. But then after that kind of went quiet and then 20 later on in 2016, like on a complete whim, I decided like, I'm going to go to the world golf fitness summit. I want to kind of dive into, I want to understand more of the fitness side, maybe not even so much for my students, but like kind of selfishly for myself. hundred uh, percent. So they were down there and, and had some good conversation with them, and, and I just randomly asked them if they had anyone uh, distributor-wise, which is like the classic Canadian question to any U.S. company. Um, and they said no. And as conversation continued to start to build a bit, they kind of go, well, how close are you to Detroit? And I'm like, 20 minutes? Like literally 20 minutes. Stops, close. I'm, I'm in downtown Detroit. So then they we kind of go, hmm. So it's – from a financial standpoint, it, it, it's much more lucrative for a Canadian business to import product from the U.S. than a U.S. company trying to get stuff into Canada with duties, international shipping, uh, blah, blah, blah. So then we kind of said, like, let's try it. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. Uh, so I imported my first, my first batch of sets and and sales were kind of slow in the first little bit. Um, but as super speed has continued... Uh, to take off, things have gotten busier and busier. And I think as, they, as they've as they kind of started to realize that direct-to-consumer is, is not their proper channel, uh, they've kind of realized that they need to get in front of the coaches and the professionals. That's why we've seen them do a pretty significant jump in terms of their sponsoring PGA of America sectional uh, education summits and seminars and different stuff like that. Uh, I was just in Alberta last week because we partnered with the PGA of Alberta uh, as of a couple of days ago, we've, pay, uh, we've partnered with the PGA of Ontario. Yep. Uh, so we'll be at Think Tank uh, in Niagara Falls next week as well. So ever since then, like coming back from Calgary, uh, the inbox has been going pretty good with, with coaches saying, hey, we want this in our club. We we want to sell it to our members and, and different stuff like that. So I feel Canada-wise, I think we're just about on the peak to, to take off and have a pretty good 2018.
0: I think so. And you see how many PGA Tour players have it in their bank every week and Super Speed does a good job of promoting that stuff, and even now at Brampton, guys yeah, ask like guys in the shop say, "What did, do you know anything yeah. about Super Speed?" And students are asking me, "Do you know anything about Super Speed? Where can I get it?" And I was like, yeah, "I know a guy. I'm just not going to tell him what he charges, you so I can make some money." But <laughs> it's more and more people are asking <laughs> get about. I
1: right, get the wholesale pricing, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, Kyle, Mike, Harley, um, Daisy, who they've just brought out as their director of education. Like they got. They have a really solid crew. They're really hungry, um, and, and Kyle absolutely kills it on the tour. Yeah, like they're they're easily over 400 professionals now, and I think I think the number is that are in ha- over half of the top 50 guys. Um, really? obviously the fact that Phil Mickelsons comes off real hot and has gotten himself plenty of time on uh, on the golf channel using him has been an absolute home run. But it started with Billy Horschel and Charles Howell the third and. And now it's starting to pick up. Paul Casey got his set this past week, so you know that's a hundred percent the reason why he won. Definitely must have been that. Absolutely. Um, but but no, it's been it's been real good.
0: Do you think they're going to come out with a super speed putter for Patrick Reed? So he doesn't leave it twenty feet <laughs> short.
1: Oh, uh, like I can't believe he has like I can't believe he has the balls to do the little hand motion like come on down. Like he is a different bird, man. Like he is just. He, like, when I, I read, uh, uh, yes, over the does. over the winter, I was away for a little bit, and I read Shane Bacon's book, uh, uh, Slaying the Tiger, um, okay. and after reading that, I was, like, convinced. I'm like, okay, Patrick Reed is just a different kind of guy. Like, him and, him and Victor Dubuisson are, like, the two kind of most off-the-cuff guys that I think on the PGA Tour now.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. That's a good point. I forgot about Victor Dubuisson. He was, uh, he's an interesting one. But right, Patrick Reed, like, just... That yeah, putty was so it. bad. <laughs> he just <laughs> watched and go. I just shook my head at him. I'm like, I yeah, can't believe yeah. he did that. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, I agree. So can you explain to everyone how Super Speed works? Because it's, it's a cool product, but I don't think everyone knows exactly how it works.
1: Yeah, so Super Speed, uh, so you purchased a set of Super Speed clubs, or a set of Super Speed, and you get three clubs, uh, depending on, uh, your driver shaft, your, your swing speed, and, and if you're a junior your height plays a factor as well. You get a three-club set. And with that, you have three different weights. You have one club. The lightest club is 20% lighter than your driver. The next club is 10% lighter than your driver. And the heaviest club is 5%, or sorry, 20% lighter, 10% lighter, 5% heavier. So protocols will always work light to fast. Or sorry, light to heavy. And as much as it's a Uh, As it's about increasing club head speed, it's a lot about training the brain that it's able to move faster than what we think. Like you and I, Brad, right now, our brains have a governor on Mm -hmm. how fast we think that we can comfortably move when we grab a golf club. And let's say we pick up the neuromuscular reaction golf swing. Like there's a governor on there.
0: Yeah.
1: So round numbers, let's say you you, you swing your driver at 100 miles an hour. You grab that lightest club, which is 20% lighter on average we see guys swing at about 20% faster. So all of a sudden you're swinging that 118, 120, 122. The guys who start to get really fast. You see them in the 130s, some guys in the 140s, so uh
0: um, 200 ones.
1: Yeah, well, actually a couple of the long speed, a couple of the long drive guys, like there's some crazy numbers.
0: Yeah, I can
1: imagine. The way then the brain to understand that when we reduce the load a little bit that we can move faster. Yeah. As you progress you go light to heavy. You take that guy who was swinging his driver at 100, and then you give him that last club, which is a little bit heavier. After his brain's thinking fast, 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 he starts to swing that thing sometimes 12, 15 percent faster. Mm-hmm. That is where, like, the rubber meets the road in increasing club head speed. Where you start light, you get the brain bought into fast, and then you slowly start to apply load until you add something a little bit heavier. Like it's, it overspeed training or swinging something heavy is not new. Uh, but the proper combination of going light to heavy is someone new to golf. Uh, like the research that they have, baseball, football, javelin, sprinters. Like sprinters run downhill before they run uphill to yep. get their brain to body buy into the fact that they can move fast. So it's over-speed training is new to golf, but definitely not new uh, to the field of sports by any means.
0: No, it's very true. Tom House, I remember years ago, had guys thrown. He goes 20% lighter, 10% lighter, 5% lighter, standard, and 10% heavier baseballs. And he'd have them not let, yeah. it, not actually throw it. He'd hold on to it, hold on to it, then throw it. And the whole idea was you yeah. spilled money to go faster. And exactly what you said. And it's sure. it's amazing it took so long for someone to think of this for actual golf products.
1: Yeah, because yeah, it's not – stronger is not faster. No. Faster is faster. And I think a lot of people – a lot of people have the misconception that – um, that if they just continuously move heavy stuff that they're going to get faster you keep moving heavy stuff your brain is getting used to moving slower
0: mm-hmm. with that being said I played devil's advocate here from what I've learned that you can move heavier stuff makes you raise the ceiling up to make the faster go faster so I got taught years right. ago, a couple I, years ago so it's a combination of so, both for people but I think people- right.
1: the, the neuromuscular part's got to play something there I guess if you have have the ability to right off the rack move something heavier faster than normal. Yeah. Then you're okay. Yeah. But if you're constantly moving something faster especially in the golf fish sport, as long as you, it's protecting your elbows and your wrists as well.
0: Yes, and I think the average guy is going to be benefit from swinging something faster because they've never done it before. Simple as that.
1: Hundred percent. Some of our biggest gains we see in, in seniors or kind of your club level guys, not because their health is tanked. Um, but just over time, it's like they've stopped working, they've stopped working out. They're just not challenging their brain to move faster. We see – I remember the story of the one guy that, they, the, that Mike had worked with, um, I believe in Chicago. The guy gained 18 miles an hour in a month <laughs> like on the golf course because as soon as, as soon as he started to get his brain back to believing that it can move fast, like he just went wild. He was a pretty healthy guy. Um and, and and he was a pretty good player to begin with, but once he got onto it, he was get, he was getting faster
0: every single day on the golf course, which was crazy. Yeah, it's it's true. Like I've seen I don't know if it was Scott Cox or Justin James said this to me or said this and it was just get people to swing faster and watch what happens. Most people yeah. have like you talked well, about look, a physical governor, but I think it's in their own head that they think, you know, I can only yeah. swing at ninety miles an hour Well if you get a guy to crank it, he can crank it up there to ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven just by swinging faster. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah.
1: Look, look at our buddy Jim Alber. He's up twenty four miles an hour in a year.
0: Yeah, he's a he's a different cat. But he's, that's like awesome he insane. was like,
1: one hundred. He's over one twenty now, like tested on the golf course in a year. Like he, that's insane.
0: And he's the perfect combination of a guy who's strong. Probably he's got some yep. mobility, gained some mobility, but also being able to swing these faster. And like I think I, 100%. when I was doing the last window, I got up to one hundred and sixteen or something like that. Highest ever clocked was 119. And yeah. now from spending all winter at gym, I'm a little slower, but I'll pick it back up. And it's, it's a great product that really, truly does work.
1: Yeah, for uh, sure. I, I agree. And I think, I, I guess, we're as much as we want to get out there and just throw stats and throw stats and throw stats, the nice part is about the traction we've seen on the PGA Tour is we just continue to let tour guys continue to use the product and then we let it come from those guys down. Um, yeah. Very rarely are you going to see one of us get out there saying, "Oh my God, you have to try this; it absolutely works." It's like, no, Billy Horschel gained X amount. This guy ain't gained X amount. That guy gained X amount. We we let them kind of kind of do the talking for us by using the product on tour.
0: I think the most impressive stat I don't when I saw it was Billy Horschel said he went down club head speed when he stopped using it. Yep. Like he took off like he said he stopped all the all season. And his swing club head speed dropped down.
1: Yeah, like I, I, and, and I can't speak for it because I don't have direct knowledge, but he's periodizing it so that he's using it off-season only. I don't think he's using it a whole lot in-season. Uh, but I do know last year that his driving, that on average he had gained, I believe it was three miles an hour, which for a guy at that level a lot. Uh, is fantastic. right? And, and that reflected in his driving numbers. I remember seeing the stat on his driving numbers and how much he increased in total driving. Uh, I don't remember how much it was, but it was pretty. It was pretty significant, which obviously he had identified as something that he wanted to improve on.
0: Yeah, that makes a huge difference on that level. That's if you drive it far, you're going to yeah. win. What else? What else to think about that? Speed
1: yeah. wins, right? The the stat that we show is in 2017. The the top ten straightest hitters on tour in 2017. The top ten combined made ten just over ten million dollars. Yeah. The top longest hitters on tour combined. Made thirty-three million dollars on course.
0: I think I've seen so you're, the top ten in yeah, driving like, distance are almost the top ten on tour.
1: Correct. Uh, yeah, that, that they're right now. Obviously, there's other parts we all know that, um, but there's a direct correlation between distance um, and guys at that level playing. Well, it's trickling down to the Division One golf level, Division Two level, the junior ranks, and and Mister Jones on the Saturday morning. Yes, he wants to putt it a little bit better. But man, oh man, does he want to hit it five yards farther than all of his buddies? Absolutely,
0: they all, we all, everyone does. I do. Yeah, it's a big selling 100%. feature for everyone. So, what do you? Um, what else do you do? You do? Um, you're the coach of what school? You still a golf, go, uh, golf coach or someone?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I guess so. I also teach the uh, University of Windsor golf team. Um, or sorry, I'm the assistant coach. Uh, um, which I took on last year because Adam Wagner, who's the director or director of golf and ambassador, he's the head coach. So, oh, really? so I hopped on that as well. Which is a little bit of uh, which is a little bit of a short season, like it's a six-week season. Um, but I still I thoroughly enjoy coaching. I absolutely love it. I still have a pretty good little stable um, of junior players, uh, and still some average Joes. Um but but yeah, I enjoyed it. It's another feather in the cap, and I know that sometimes I get some looks that uh, that people think that I'm quite busy, but, but to be honest, I enjoy it. Um, yeah. I really do. So yeah, it's, I always looking to further my own knowledge. Um, always looking to, to professional develop um, head pro super speed golf coach. Bring it on. I love it.
0: Yeah. I'm the same way is more hat feathers you can have in your hat, the better, right?
1: Yeah, I agree. And I totally agree. Actually, I totally agree. that. And there, there's so much to this industry. It, Sometimes it blows my mind when I, when I see guys that that have never taken a seminar, or never asked to shadow anyone, or, or like, it, you you just almost you watch them rot and become like you just your average cashier. Where where my goal was always I need to get away from this counter as quickly as possible. Yeah, um, well, that was always the goal for me. Well, it still is the goal. The last thing I, the last thing I want to do is ever end up that counter full time. Yeah.
0: I'm um, back in that world but I asked someone asked me the other day what's your background for myself and I said I've worked I learned from the best and the best in the GTA of how to run a pro shop and I learned the best of the best how to teach and I'm back kind of combine the both of them because <laughs> you know as well as I know just teaching for a living is tough to make a living sometimes.
1: <laughs> well and and that's exactly it like it was uh, it was funny I, I had asked Dave Smallwood if I could go see his facility at Whistlebear a couple years back because I just wanted kind of the the lay of the land and 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 a couple months later i accepted a job at ambassador he's like what the hell i thought you were going to be a teacher but it oh. no, especially that makes a living and and it's tough and and our, and our market is tricky and i know that some guys make it work yep um but i don't know where i'm at geographically i i, I don't know it's tough and I, sometimes as well like as much as I enjoy the social media and I enjoy kind of posting posting kind of what I'm up to I, I, I don't know I think I, I'd have to I'd have to sell myself so hard to try to make a living that, that I don't know if I'd feel super comfortable doing that all the time like literally just trying to like pedal myself and and hit my email list and stuff like that for lessons I don't know I don't know if I feel super comfortable with that but it's tough like as an example, like as an example, like I'm a like a one-off lesson. I charge sixty bucks. I'm one of the most expensive guys in Essex
0: County. Yeah, you're in a different world than like, sixty bucks is about twenty minutes in the GTA, right? It's...
1: right? And, and and whenever we go down south, you go to PGA or whatever, you hear these guys talk and and you hear some of these big academies, the amount of money that they charge. I said, yeah, if I was there, I'd probably make it work.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's a different world. Like if you're living, well, I guess cost of living down there is different than what it is up here too. But I'm charging. Yeah. Like I'm a hundred bucks for an adult, 75 bucks for a kid for the most part for an hour. Yeah. And you think about that, like that's, you have to teach. If you're teaching 25 or 20 hours a week, you're making 50 grand a year. Yeah. Like you're not making right. a lot of money. You got to be working hard at doing this and got 20 hours of teaching. As you and I both know, that's 25 hours of posting stuff and lesson emails yeah. and everything else.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. And I, and it's funny, like, I haven't accepted very much in terms of new clients in the last two years because with the with, with the core group that I have, I'd like, I like I wouldn't call them high maintenance, but they all know <laughs> that I'm readily accessible. Like like a lot of them, well, all my juniors, I expect all of them to send me messages after the round, after tournament rounds, and we'll do phone calls before and different stuff like that. And 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 that all takes time, right? And, and I know that some people go, "Well, you're devaluing yourself. You should be charging more," but. I, I don't know. I, I, I just kind of struggle with that. Like, I'd have a real hard time going to a kid and saying, you know what? Like, it's it's an eighty or ninety dollar lesson because you call me and text me whenever you want.
0: Yeah, like I, to me, I find that's always a value add. You add that into the service; it's part of what you do. For yeah. sure, I agree. It's like um, Lance Gill and Shirt sure Talk in their podcast talked the difference between a coach and a teacher, and they said a coach, you know, follows up and all that other stuff afterwards. Aaron, yeah. talk, I called them and was like, no, that's what a halfway decent anybody does. You follow up with your students, you check right. on tournament rounds and all the other stuff. And I guess it's a different world to some people than what we think, that you check up on your kids, you make sure they're okay, kids and adults and everyone else. Right. Like, yeah,
1: Well, and, and I, like you said, right, there's some people that, that their mindset is, like, the ticker starts at 11 o'clock and the ticker ends at 12 o'clock and then off you go and and I'll see you next time. And And, and I don't know if that's maybe it's a generational thing. I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure. Uh, but yeah, okay. I, I, I guess, yeah, with, with so many tools now too, as well, right. It's so easy with an edufi or, or what, what the guys at golf MDs are building right now, which looks like it's going to be fantastic when it comes out. Like there, 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 there's so much good stuff that you, ha- you almost have to be full service. I, I really think you have to be, like you said, right. If, any kind of person with a with with kind of that coach mentality, they're they're gonna be there whenever possible.
0: Yes. And it's like you said, it's a generational thing. I mean I grew up not really with that. I'm sure you're the same way. Like my golf instructors as a kids are kinda of like like you said, sixty minutes starts here and ends there. Maybe they do a plane lesson once in the summer. Never came right. to a golf tournament. So it's I always kinda of grew up and when I applied for scholarships at Humber and everything I talked about at Humber was I didn't wanna offer that. I wanted right. to offer what I never got, so. Yeah,
1: fair enough. Totally.
0: So, where can people find you? We'll cut this, we're gonna cut this short soon because I'm getting tired.
1: <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, so, so social media. I'm uh, I'm Ryan Roblard Golf. Um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Snapchat. I'm I'm on all of them. Uh, my website's RyanRoblardGolf.com. That's probably the first time I've ever really kind of told people that I actually have an up and functioning website. Um, but the boys at golf MD's built me a pretty cool one that I kind of channel through there. Um, that's
0: pretty good. And
1: then, other than that, yeah, just, just kind of follow me on social media. Um, interesting year for us at Ambassador. Uh, we're pretty excited that we have a, a PGA Tour Canada event coming to town, which is just another oh, just right. thing in the old agenda for me. So,
0: how exciting um, So, is looking that forward be? to that
1: because we're going to be doing a, a, quite a bit of promotion um, of that event. Uh, I know some people like when I kind of do the behind the scenes stuff, like I know a lot of people had a pretty good laugh on Instagram when I was going through collecting all the resumes for employment at ambassador. Yeah. Cause <laughs> Oh my God, like there are just some really, really, really bad people at, at resume writing and, and, and actually the interview process isn't that bad, but I don't know, man, like high school teachers, like please educate your kids on like how to write a resume and how to present yourself and, and how to show up on time. And, and all that fucking stuff. But but no, Instagram is the one I like to use the most. Yep. If you Google World Golf, you're probably going to find me somewhere.
0: Good. So um, funny to talk about resumes and hiring kids. I remember I had an interview with a girl my previous employer. I don't know if you ever Googled, like, the interesting res- uh, questions to ask in an interview.
1: Yeah.
0: So there's a – I think it was a Forbes article I stumbled upon. And I asked her, have you ever stole a pen from work? There's <laughs> there five questions. And the guy I was interviewing with me said, I'm out. I can't take this anymore. <laughs> and it, it was, have you ever stole a pen from work? How do you make a peanut butter sandwich? Um, yeah. And the last one I asked her is on a scale of 1 to 10, please rate me as an interviewer. <laughs> uh, the one that I was asking all of my high school kids um, that I was interviewing is what's your longest snap streak on Snapchat? Oh, well, that's a good and one.
1: That's a good one. Numbers, but then I asked him, I said, well, when you go on vacation, you have your friends log in for you to keep your streak going, and all of them said yes. So I said to all of them, I'm like, no, that is a fake streak. That's completely disregarded. Like, that does not count whatsoever.
0: That shows a lot of dedication. <laughs> it, it does.
1: Just... Oh, like the first time I came across that, like one one girl interviewed two years ago, she's like, yeah, my snap streaks like 675 days. I was like, how the hell do you do that? And then she's like, oh well, I have a friend of mine like up. If if I forget or something, she logs in for me. So it's all just a
0: game. What was your longest Snapchat streak?
1: Probably seven. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think I got up to 14 days – no, sorry, it was 42 days with uh, one of my old – she wasn't even you know, a student of mine. She was another person's student.
1: Yeah.
0: And like, I got up to like – and every single streak I sent was like a black picture with a line across it. Or it, was, <laughs> it was so awful. Or it was a picture of like my foot. <laughs> I didn't know how it worked. The,
1: the the reason why it only lasted seven days, is like it, it was always – My buddy Pavi and I from Beach Grove and Brent McClung, our our Callaway sales rep, just sending, like, absurd videos with the faces. and. But the streak, that's committing. Like, that is committing a lot. Like, if you are an adult that has, like, a life and you got a streak over 100 days, I am impressed.
0: It is. Well, when I got to 42 and I forgot to send it to to her, she sent me a message. She's like, what the? I can't say the words, (laughs) but you forgot to reply back. Yeah. the second That's longest awesome. street was like 3 days. <laughs> I barely got the street yeah. going. 100%. 100%. So last piece of advice anything you got for anybody in the industry listening right now, what could you tell them?
1: Um, you know what? Uh, it's funny. It's funny you asked me this question cuz I was just asked this. Um, the key to me is how hungry you are. Uh like I I have only been a golf professional uh, since 2012. That's the year I got my card. So I'm coming up on my seventh season of actually having my card. Yeah. Um, And I feel I've done quite a bit. And and at certain times I've just tend to have got the right piece of advice in passing. Um, You have to be hungry. I I know very few people in any industry uh, that have gotten to where they are without working a whack ton of hours, uh, spending Mm -hmm. an incredible amount of money. Like I'll I'll never forget. Uh, the one PJ of Ontario, Ontario Springs seminar in that Nick Starchuk had put together, and someone asked Liam Muckle the question, "How much money he had spent in professional development?" Um, and I believe the number he had said is he had just crossed the hundred thousand dollar mark, which to yeah, me at the that. time was mind-numbing. But thinking now at the amount of money that I've spent and the things I still want to accomplish, that's that's a barrier to entry and. And to get into the PGA, yes, I know that people talk about that dues are expensive, yada, yada, yada. My girlfriend's in law school, right? Like her line of credit is more than the mortgage on my house. Like her barrier entry is Mm $100,000. And and I look at that and, well, okay, well, she's going to go through school and have that. Where for us, it's we're given employment relatively easy. It's what are you going to do with that? So the advice... Young, old—I don't care, right? If you want to be successful, you got to freaking be hungry. You got to get after. You got to educate yourself.
0: Um, Very Gary V. Yeah, that,
1: that's it. Just hung, which almost sounds like I literally just regurgitated a Gary Vaynerchuk podcast <laughs> because that's what I listened on the way home from from work today. But he hits it head on. He, his success is a hundred percent driven by by his hunger, and and I guess I feel for for maybe the the little success that I've had that, that that's been the biggest factor for me is my hunger and and the support of my inner circle.
0: It's 100% true for what little success I've had in the business. It's the same thing, it's all from hard work It's from a lot of luck, yeah. knowing the right people, but it's a lot of hard work of getting another right person at the right time.
1: Yeah, yeah, you surround yourself with the people that support you. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you just hammer it out and
0: and apparently that's when everything cut out and I didn't realize that. Or I cut it short. I don't remember what happened with that episode. I recorded it before I've done the ending and beginning. So thank you, Ryan, for coming on. He had some great information there, especially the part about barrier to entry talking about his girlfriend in law school versus Oh, wait, then we can promote that. exactly. Oops, I should have started that over again. So I was reading a message at the same time to finish this off though. Like the barrier to entry to be a golf pro is nothing to to other places, and he's got some great information about what he's done. You can check him out on social media. I'm pretty sure it's at Brian Robillard Golf or you look him up anywhere. You're going to find him. He's an absolute rock star on social as well. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Until next time, we'll catch you, in a, we'll catch you later.